Welcome to the Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically within Southeast Asia. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Welcome to another episode of the Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast. Gwen here, and today I'm with Clayton Daniel, who is a former financial advisor and author and managing director at XY Advisor. So welcome to the show, Clay. Hey, thanks for having me, Gwen. No problem. So <laughs> I think I mentioned this a while ago that this has been one of my bucket list for the podcast to have you on board. So very much welcome for uh, for you to be here. And I guess my my first question is a lot of financial advisors whom I've already interviewed asks about what is XY Advisor. So from the mm. one of the founders of xy advisor like can you tell us what it is yeah i mean it's a it's the most obvious question if you really think back to its roots it was a couple of advisors who were sharing learning with one another to get better at financial planning and then we realized that if we put it like a label on it if we gave this the the sharing and learning a name that we could then invite people who were far better than us at financial planning to come in and teach us how to be even better at being a financial planner. And so ultimately, um, I, I think at the time I had a blog that was called xyadvisor.com and no one was reading it and it wasn't very good to begin with. <laughs> and I think just to, to save like the $10 or whatever it is to register you know, a, a new URL, I just said, hey, uh, I've got this name already. It's called XY Advisor. Uh, let's just use that one. And, uh, you know, we can begin inviting great advisors to come and teach us how to be better at what we do. And so really it started as an event and yeah. that, and that event sort of, you know, it was one event and there was two events and then there was three events. And then the, you know, the events were kind of six months apart. So we thought, well, how can we sort of speed that up? And so we started meeting up digitally, like to have a discussion and we'd get sort of maybe 10 or 20 or 30 people on a zoom call so and we would discuss different things uh, from there you know that was only happening once a week so we thought oh, you know, how do we accelerate this more and then so we started a, a linkedin group and then that linkedin group grew to about five six or maybe seven hundred and then we moved across to facebook because the conversations were were better on facebook than they were on linkedin and then the LinkedIn group got to 4,000. Sorry, the Facebook group got to 4,000. Yeah. And then we, two years ago, we launched uh, the XY platform and we've already grown to 5,000. And uh, yeah, so ultimately it, it is an ecosystem now of events, podcasting, mm-hmm. and uh, sharing and learning on a platform where advisors can simply just get better at what they do for work. So... Long explanation, but thorough. (laughs) 
Yes. So, well, exactly. And that's why we're here now, right? So this podcast, the Financial Planner Southeast Asia podcast is is part of that ecosystem where our goal is always to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. But so let's back up a bit. So XY Advisor was created for financial advisors. And you, uh, when you started out, you were a financial advisor. So can you tell us, um, how did you get into financial advice in the first place? Yeah, good question. So a lot of people struggle um, to ever learn what financial advice is and even less learn how to give financial advice. So financial advice is a really peculiar career path and it's a kind of a peculiar mm-hmm. topic in general. I mean, money is so emotional, right? It's like it's like the most emotional, you know, besides health, besides, say, the health of yourself and your loved ones, money is probably the second most, you know, emotional topic. And so as soon as you get into the realm of something so emotional, it becomes almost peculiar that you would go to someone for help with, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or, although we're, although the, the world is slowly changing in that, you know, a lot of people these days um, have a personal trainer for their fitness or they, they might speak to a psychologist for their mental health. Um, so I guess the growth of those professions designed to help health and wealth and things like that are growing. It's, it's a relatively new profession. So compared to accounting, which has been around for a long time, you know, and that is dealing with the financial outcomes of a business. Dealing with the financial outcomes of, a, of an individual has really only been around, I guess, for about, you know, kind of 40 years max. So it's kind of like a, a new profession. And the way that I stumbled upon it is through accounting. So I was uh, an accountant, a personal accountant, not a company uh, accountant. So I was a personal accountant. Um, and I was sort of meeting with people on a year-to-year basis. And then I was sharing an office with some financial planners and they were dealing with the client over the scope of their lifetime. And I sort of looked at my situation and I thought how, how I guess, more of a grand vision it was to work with someone over the course of a lifetime rather than a, on a year-to-year basis. And I sort of swapped careers from being a personal tax accountant across to a personal financial planner. Wonderful. And uh, so once you became a financial advisor, I knew that later on you started your own business. Yes. Right? Why did you start your own business in the first place? Yeah. Well, I always wanted to start my business. So it was a it was a need, a desire, a drive. I would say to build a business was probably my core premise. Mm. It's actually how I got into tax accounting was, you know, I, I, I was doing uh, music to begin with. And then I went oh, to, yeah. Uni- yeah. And then, <laughs> and then so uh, the, the only problem with doing music is unless you sound like, you know, Justin Bieber, there's not, which I didn't, uh, there's, there's not a huge chance of making a career out of it. So, uh, so as a failed musician, um, I ended up going to university studying accountancy but the reason i went to university to study accountancy is because i wanted to get into business and i didn't really have any idea on how to do that so i started with what someone described to me once as learning the language of business which is accounting and i mean i kind of 
agree with that concept um, at, at this stage, but there's, you know, there's much more to it than understanding accounting. Yeah. But yeah. it was where I started. And so my desire to grow a business started with, you know, going to uni and becoming an accountant. And then the accountancy led to financial planning. But sort of at that stage, uh, you know, I'd sort of made the decision to move into the world of business at about 22. And so the journey from, you know, the journey from university to tax to financial planning took about eight years. And then so when I was 30 years old, uh, like two weeks before I turned 30, I started my financial planning business. And so it took me, you know, eight years to, to get there. And interestingly, I, sort of four years later, I then sold that business and, and yeah. moved across into sort of tech startup land, which, which I guess goes down the path of, of being an entrepreneur even more so because now I'm sort of in a, in a product rather than service. But interestingly, I've kept my service background as a huge part of what I do now. And I've chosen to work in tech startup land, but only in the financial advice realm. So yeah. kind of combining everything at the stage. Yeah, and that's wonderful, right? Like, so that means that you all those eight years that you've had were never put to waste because yeah. now you're still doing like all the things you love to do. You love financial advice and yeah. helping people yeah. um, throughout their journey, but now it's the journey of financial advisors in this ever-changing landscape because – so financial advice in Australia started about like 40-ish years ago. Yeah. So it's it's still relatively new, although yeah. older than um, in most countries, uh, especially here in Southeast Asia. And so I guess, like, what was the atmosphere like in the financial advice industry when, when you started years ago? And mm. how has it changed over the years, especially now, like I know there are a lot of changes in financial advice just yeah. this past two years. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I guess in terms of changing financial advice, and it does change a lot, um, there's two things that change it. There, There's uh, one element of the bottom up. So the bottom up approach is really financial planners independently all over the world over the last 40 years have come to a very similar similar conclusion and that is how important financial advice is when you uh, really uh, I guess spend time to become a great financial planner yeah and what's kind of interesting is in, in every single territory so yes financial planning is more mature in Australia than it is Southeast Asia and but I'm I'm expecting the same journey of of financial planning Southeast Asia to follow yeah. what's happened here in Australia. And and what happened in, in Australia sort of followed what had been happening in America as well. So realistically, if you think about it, that bottom-up approach is just advisors all over the world at different stage over the last few decades have, have come to these independent conclusions, which is I can do so much more for a client than, than just give them a product. Now, Financial products are extremely important. I'm a massive fan of them, and they're pivotal to every single piece of financial planning. So I'm not, I'm not, I guess, one of these people that says, "Oh, you don't need financial products to give financial planning." I believe you do, and it's pretty obvious that that's the case, um, at least <laughs> to my mind. In each territory, financial planning always starts out with financial products, and it's a very easy reason for this. 
it is the it's the easiest and best way for large product providers to make money when they enter a new territory. So they enter a new territory, they create a sales force of people who sell that product, and that's where financial planning starts. And then out of the group of those, um, out, of, out of the initial sales force, mm. there's you get the first people who go, hey, wait a second, when I'm speaking to clients about you know, getting to their their sister's wedding in two years' time, the savings that, that they're achieving or they need to achieve here, maybe the product that I'm selling doesn't solve that for that goal. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden I need to do something else. Do I need a different product to sell them or do I need to sit down and tell them how to manage their money in a better way so that there is money on you know available to them in two years' time? Now, it, it's not as simple as just turning around one day and saying, hey, this is how you do it. There's a journey that each financial planner kind of goes through where, um, and it's often on purpose, where you arrive at a point in time and you think, I want to be able to deliver more than just providing a product. But then the journey on how to get to where you need to get to is very difficult because there's not a lot of places or people, you know, publicly available that it's easy to go to where that information is getting shared. Yeah. And hence, when you come back to XY, hence why we started this uh, podcast uh, and the platform uh, and the events is we wanted to produce a way for advisors all over the world to turn around and say, hey, this is a way to get better at my job mm-hmm. um, by simply learning from other experts. And the thing about learning from other experts is really interesting because the further, or, or I, I should say, the more you learn or the the more of an expert you become in a particular field, the less likely you are to learn from a book and the more likely you are to learn from someone else. And so, and, and because a lot of this sort of expertise knowledge is very difficult to codify and put in a book. So, yeah. it, so it comes down to these sort of individual situations that people find themselves in where they find a particular thing is difficult and the only way to solve it is to really flesh it out with, with peers, with like-minded experts. And so, you know, when I started my company, I realized there was so much I didn't learn. And I also realized it was very difficult to find a place to learn how to get better at these things. Hence why, you know, the events every six months, the the digital catch-ups once a week, and now the 24-7 platform, which is dedicated in in its purpose rather than being on another social platform, um, is really the best solution that I could imagine as that guy who started the company you know when i did yeah that's i I totally agree with that Clay. because when my husband started um in in financial advice um and because here in the philippines financial advice is still relatively new like i thought an insurance advisor or a risk specialist was the same as a financial advisor so um when i was speaking with christian my husband we, I would tell him, so like, you know how to do this and, and you know how to give advice for this and that. And then later on, and he thought as well that it was the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> later on, as he went through um, his trainings and all that, he realized that there are still limitations that he, he has as a risk specialist, but, but ultimately he really wants to be a financial advisor. Yeah. Um, and, 
he realized that there are so much to do and then so little people to talk to. Yes. So because, like I said, the industry is still very um, in its early stage here. It's still growing. And that's why it's really nice to have that community because it's it's sort of like it, you have this assurance at the back of your head that if you have questions in the future and you will have lots of questions oh, in yeah. the future, there's always like a group of people who you know can answer these questions or if not answer these questions, have the same sentiment towards a certain topic. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very powerful. Um, the sense of like a reassurance that someone's got your back, right? In in your in your profession. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um it it always it's difficult when you feel like you're out on a limb by yourself. Yeah. And so if you can see people who are successful, who are experienced, who are capable, who are great at what they do, sharing common threads with you. Now, everyone's going to be slightly different, but if, if you can sort of find a uniform approach to a certain situation, yeah, it, it, it's reassuring. But more so than reassuring, it's actually, you know, operationally helpful. Mm. So on XY, you know, there's, there's hundreds of these kind of files that you can download that gives you a structure to at least start the process on starting to deliver a new a new type of financial planning, and I will say so, I, and I am sensitive to this. Like X Y right now, because we're still in our infancy, is very um, Australian focused. However, yeah. you know, in in I would say I guess the next twelve to twenty four months, we'll see a, a a a focus in on the different territories. So right now we have a, a podcast that is dedicated to financial planning in Southeast Asia, but then shortly we'll have a platform that's dedicated to to it as well. And so and so um you know like with Christian who who I know uh he you know like the conversations in the territory um of Southeast Asia and the Philippines specifically is a little bit different to Australia and is a little bit different to America. And Australia is a little bit different to South Africa and the UK is different to, to Canada. And all of it, like each of these territories are different to Brazil and Italy and like, you know, Japan. And so, so we, we are conscious of this and we're sort of in the process of solving that problem from a, yeah. from a systemic uh, root, um, I would say, issue. And once that's solved, I'm expecting sort of, each territory to 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 improve holistically what financial planning is at a much uh, rapid rate. Yeah, for sure, and that's I guess a, a very appropriate way of um, segmenting to my next uh, or segueing that is to my next question, which is a lot of financial advisors that I know, especially in Malaysia, um, they try to when they start their own financial advice or financial planning business over there they try to model their advice in in a way that it's they take a lot from the australian financial advice model um and i wondered about that like why not in the us or why not in the uk or or japan where you know, it's it's in Asia, it's closer, but they try to model it in in the Australian financial 
advice framework. Why do you think that the Australian financial advice works? Or the, why does the model work? Yeah, really good question. I think that's because we're, you know, XY is the first community of its type in the world, mm-hmm. right? So where yeah. else, you know, where else do you go? <laughs> I still, especially, you know, if it's free, right? Like, sure, you can, you can oh, yes. join, yes. you can join free. this. Yeah. So that you can join these amazing courses um, and sort of private communities all over the world that you can pay a bunch of money to join it and, and they will yeah. go through a certain framework and a certain belief system and, a, and, and, you know, use certain technologies and, and, and I guess it's a prescribed framework. And I want to be clear, a lot of these uh, companies are doing amazing stuff. Yeah. Right? So, I, the reason why I would imagine places like uh, Malaysia uh, are following Australia is because the XY model is different. It's free. I mean, sure, there's like a, a, a 10% of people who, who do the, the paid for options, which is great, but that's only, you know, 90% of people currently aren't doing it. So it is free to join and, uh, and it is an open environment where you can kind of pick and choose what it is that you want to adopt and what it is that you want to ignore. And I think that sort of that loose environment, if you will, or, or the need to, or, or the ability to learn and get better without having to commit to a particular framework is sort of helpful. Like um, at the end of the day, I, I would always recommend at some point in your journey, paying to be a part of, uh, you know, like a framework and, but if you if 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 the affordability is there, sure, like it's a great way to to excel. But in terms of a great place to always come back to, whether you're twelve months in or twenty years in, a place to come back to and explore different ideas that aren't in a particular framework. Well, we're the only place that I'm aware of in the world where this is occurring. Um, so it makes sense to me that. Uh, Malaysia or, or, you know, we've got members from 20 different countries. It doesn't surprise me that Australia is now seen as a bit of a a guiding, uh, in you know, especially XY is a guiding environment because, well, realistically, we're the only ones doing it. Yes, that's true. And the the thing that I like, um, I feel like XY Advisor works um, be, because of its free model, like a lot of people want to test out like a product, right? Yes. Um, and then uh, so before they commit to something, they'd like to check it out. Mm. Um, and because XY Advisor is free, they can always log in and then uh, check and, and see what the conversations are and right. uh, see what's happening. And that's where they can say like, Am I going to commit? Um, what kind of commitment am I able to uh, give to this platform? And that's why I feel like it works for a lot of people um, across well, the, the board. The average user spends uh, it, a little less than 10 minutes per day on. So the commitment is relatively small. I, I would say one of the things that we pride ourselves on is the ability to increase someone's professional expertise mm-hmm. without a large monetary or time cost. 
Yeah. So, so yeah. that that's kind of one of the key things that we're trying to achieve. Yeah. So like the a user comes in, um, checks around, has a particular question in mind, and then looks for it in in the conversations. And if he can't find it, then he asks. Right. Well, yeah, precisely. Um, I mean, that that would be one use case is you, if you have a specific question, there is existing conversation, there are downloadable documentation. Um, and if nothing exists, yes, of course, you can ask. However, it's not the only use case. Um, a lot of people are going on without a particular question in mind and are simply going on to look at what other questions are being asked, right? Uh-huh. So, so it doesn't have to be specifically to solve an immediate problem. I mean, just by simply going on and spending, you know, a couple of minutes a day reading what other advisors, uh, are, what other advisors' challenges are, you're kind of opening yourself up to um, an environment where you're you're learning vicariously through other people's problems. So you might not, not even realize something is a problem yet so by looking at what the other problems are that are being experienced you're first of all being informed of what problems exist and then you're also looking at what those solutions are and and so that's the second use case a third use case is you might be the kind of advisor that is uh, looking to build their reputation you know Mm, within their peers yeah and so uh these kind of advisors are actually just going on and answering questions, not even asking questions, but contributing to the the body of knowledge of what financial planning is um they're uploading documents they are answering questions, and their goal is to be seen as a thought leader. their goal is to attract really good talent, so the best way imaginable to sort of get the best advisors to work for you is to be known as being a great advisor, right? Um, and then, of course, the the other option in this category is just because a lot of people like to be generous with their knowledge. So they yeah. might not even have any incentive other than the desire to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, to, to uh, contribute in a way that is scalable. So they answer one person's problem but you know, thousands of financial planners all over the world are learning from them. Hey, that's a great way to contribute to your own profession. Yeah, that's true. And I think I would aken this to like when I started using LinkedIn, right? So I, when I, <laughs> I this sounds funny, but when I try or if I want to feel professional, yeah. I open LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> and I look at, yeah, so I look at like, the posts, especially from the ones that I follow, like all of the the uh, the professionals out there that I feel like are doing such a great job, uh, and then they post uh, or ask excellent questions or they post excellent stuff, and I feel like. I just become a more professional person after mm. um, getting into LinkedIn and reading all their posts, um, all of everything that they're sharing. And I feel like XY Advisor is like that. So if you get into the platform 10, 15, or 30 minutes later, you come out like a better financial advisor or a, a better para planner or a better financial coach. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess um, that's what I would 
like to think that XY Advisor is for. So thank you so much, Clay. I guess um, my last question for you would be like, what is your advice if 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 I if a financial planner wants to grow their business here in Southeast Asia, where we're still in the process of growing and figuring things out? Yeah, I think the same strategy works well all over the world and this is only a realization i've come to even since selling my original financial planning business um now i learned a lot in the four years that i owned a financial planning business but i tell you i've learned a lot more in the hundreds of conversations i've had with financial planners for years afterwards Right, so I'm in a very unique position where I've had the chance to ask fantastic financial planners how yeah. they have grown their practices over time, right? And so, what I've kind of pieced together through my own experience, and then from asking better financial planners than myself, I've, I've come to a certain conclusion, and that conclusion is uh, being very specific in who you deal with mm-hmm. does one thing and one thing only. It attracts the people that you want to work with uh, in a way that they can't ignore. So let's say if you're a financial planner mm-hmm. and you do regular financial planning stuff, right? And you're a financial planner for everyone. And then there's a hundred other financial planners who work with everyone and no one's different, right? So everyone just says they deal in investments and insurance and taxation and cash flow or whatever, right? You work, you know. But then someone out of that hundred goes, I'm a financial planner that deals specifically in people that work in technology. Yeah. So now what's going to happen is out of those hundred potential advisors, you're going to have, let's say, a uh, hundred potential clients. Now, now 99 out of those hundred clients only want to uh, 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 like work in technology, right? Yeah. So, so you think, oh, no, I've only got 1% chance of getting this client. But you've actually, if you're the only financial planner that says that you work with uh, people that work in technology, then, then the likelihood of that person coming to you is almost like 100%. Yeah. Now, the other thing is, there's a really good saying around this, and that is your target is not your market. And what that means is if you say you work only with people in tech, what you'll actually find is there'll be another, out of that 100 potential clients, the one that works in tech will definitely come to you. But then there's going to be a couple other people that work maybe not in tech, but maybe consider themselves as the kind of person that, that is in tech. And then you've got a really high chance of getting those people as well. So for example, like let's say two... Um, podiatrists like people that work with feet are, work, mm-hmm. are, are next to each other right yeah like, and let's say one says hey i'm a the best podiatrist in the area the next one says i'm a podiatrist that works with the national sporting team right like i'm just a regular guy but i walk past and i see that, sure someone says that they're the best but this person says they work with professional athletes now i'm not a professional athlete mm-hmm. but i think to myself well actually I'd prefer to get looked after by someone who does work with professional athletes. So even when, even if you're a little bit scared about 
being in a niche or deciding, like being making a decision on who you want to work with is a small amount of people. What's really interesting is you will, you've got a high likelihood of attracting people that are like that, but also you've got a high likelihood of attracting people that would, would aspire to be the audience that you're attracting. Mm-hmm. And so what that, so, so your target is not your market. Your target is, is like a, is like a dartboard, right? In the middle is your, is your, is your, the exact people that you're wanting to get. But there's, you're still going to get people that are that exist around that target in the middle, right? So, so the number one is choosing and being clear on how to deliver great advice to a certain segment of society. Then, uh, you know, all this other stuff that you that you can get good at in being a financial planner is getting good at the stuff that is relevant to that particular audience. Right, so one of the things that people that work in tech often have is shares or option, options of shares in the startup companies that they work in. Right, so you need to become an expert in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you're talking about uh, being an expert in in options that that people get when working in startup tech companies. Well, that's an interesting thing, right? So now you are working with a niche. And you're, 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 uh, improving your skill set that's required to work with that particular audience. Mm. Now, a couple of things happen here. A, because you're attracting a certain audience, you've got a higher likelihood of getting more people, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, two, because you're offering a specialist skill set, you can afford to charge more money. Mm-hmm. Three, because you're offering a special skill set, your clients are going to receive more value. And as a result, earning more money because you're offering more value to your clients, the end result is that you're going to enjoy your work more. Yeah. And so, and so the key is picking a niche, attracting those people, getting an expertise in their lifestyle, like like what common problems they experience is going out and actually becoming an expert in that. Earning more money and enjoying your work, all of that collectively is one step, a great first step. And then second step to this, the, so the second step to the first step is this. Now that you have an edge, now that you can offer more value, go and speak about it publicly in as many different ways as possible. Start a podcast, start, and then from that podcast, write articles. From those articles, write LinkedIn updates. From those LinkedIn updates and the articles and the podcasts, write a book. And all of the, all of the, all of these different mediums are all centered around the fact that you're an expert in a particular field and that you can um, solve their key problems. From there, no matter how what kind of content you're sharing, get those people to come to regular events that you're hosting. Right, yeah. so you're putting on one event per month. So the point of all your content is to attract people to an event where you're just going into more detail about the client that you're attracting, the problems that they you frequently see that they suffer, and solutions that that you know can help them. And then, then all of a sudden, you've got content that's drawing people in you've got a way to meet with people whether it's in person or over zoom 
And then from there, they can uh, book in for a one-on-one meeting. Mm. And so you've got this entire ecosystem that is constantly set up to attract people further and further into uh, your service. And they will opt in or opt out based upon the message that you're giving. And by the time that they opt in continuously and, and, and turn up at their first meeting with you, mm-hmm. they already know who you are. They consume your content. They're familiar with you. So there, there isn't that sort of uncomfortableness in the first meeting. So again, it's because you enjoy your work more. You're not experiencing that uncomfortableness in the first meeting. They already know who you are. Uh, uh, they already know what problems you can help them solve. When when you put, you know, when they understand how much it's going to cost, there yeah. is a much less likelihood that that fee is going to be prohibitive, prohibitive because they've already bought in. Um, and then the best part is when you get to work with them and you see all these fantastic results, they'll turn around and thank you. Yeah. So yeah. that whole situation took me years to figure out, but that is without a doubt the best way to grow a successful, enjoyable, profitable financial planning advice process. Right. Thanks so much, Clay. So I definitely, with everything you said, and I know that um, this came from not only you, but from the knowledge uh, that you've also learned from other financial advisors and from Absolutely. the my community as well. So thank you so much for coming to the show, Clay. That's one thing out off my bucket list, <laughs> for especially for this year. Now, if listeners in this podcast would like to get to know you more or would like to have a chat with you, where can they uh, reach you? Yes, certainly. Yes, certainly. So I am on the XY platform. So xyadvisor.com, join there. Um, I contribute uh, sometimes there. Um, I also contribute sometimes on LinkedIn. Uh, But if you want to hear me discuss financial planning as, you know, like strategically and tactically, it's on XY. Um, And if you want to hear me talk about financial planning, I guess, you know, on my soapbox, so to speak, <laughs> yeah. uh, then, then you'll find me, uh, you can follow me on uh, LinkedIn. So yeah, yeah, LinkedIn and XY. All right, wonderful. And I will go ahead and put all of those information in the show notes. So thank you so much again for coming to the show, Clay. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for having me, Gwen. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.